0: Easter's on its way, and I thought, excuse me, it would be good for us to maybe take a look at uh, about the Great Commission and to maybe learn a little bit about it today uh, and and to prepare ourselves for, uh, not just for this year, but uh, hopefully forever. I'd like you to pull up that first scripture, if you would, Romans 16, and I want us to read this together, good and strong, if you, uh, if you would, uh, with me. Let's, uh, let's read it together. For I, I... am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God's salvation for everyone who believes. Okay, that was about three quarters of you. Uh, so let's practice again. Okay, let's read this really strong. Uh, for I am not... amen father we thank you for your word we thank you that this will be a seed inside of our hearts Uh, and this morning you would uh, not only pour truth into us but also courage and boldness for uh, Lord for uh, what you're desiring your church to do uh, here on earth and I thank you for that in Jesus name amen the question was asked uh, by the pollsters uh, what is the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? And there's some stats out that go something like this. 51 percent would say that they don't know at all. Uh, Six percent say that they're just not totally sure. And 25 percent say yes, but I can't recall exactly what that means. So that left about 17% that were able to strongly say, yes, I know what it is, this is what it is, and also to explain it. And I thought, that's pretty low, and this is among Christians, that's, a, that's pretty low stats. And so I want to take the time today uh, to allow everyone to know what the Great Commission is. It's actually pretty simple what the Great Commission is, uh, what it means to you and I, and then also, uh, how do I share the good news with somebody else? And I I think if we uh, took polls here, uh, we would possibly find that uh, we have struggles here also. Matthew 28 and verse 19 uh, just simply lays it out. It's uh, actually the Uh, The last words of Jesus, which are always important, the last words of somebody, Uh, and and he says this here, I want you to go and make disciples. And it's interesting because then that was the last words before his death, burial, and resurrection, and his first words, now listen, his first words after his resurrection were, uh, were this, I will fill you with my power so that you can be what? A witness. In other words, you can go out and make disciples. And so his last words and his first words we have here, and I believe that is the heart that he, he wants to put inside of us. Jesus did just that. When he got on planet Earth, he spoke to lots of peoples, but he just grab a, grabbed a small handful of disciples, you know, and he grabbed some businessmen, he grabbed some fishermen, he, he grabbed a tax collector, he grabbed a doctor, he just grabbed a whole variety of ordinary people, and he took them and spent three and a half years with them doing what? Making disciples out of them okay and it was from that that he then speaks at the end of his life go make disciples you guys and i think as much as we uh, as we as we consider that what an amazing thing that here two thousand years later it's still happening but yet some of the church has kind of backed away from that we've found ourselves uh... a way to stay very busy in the church in the church but we're not going out there to make disciples. We're kind of re- recycling who we are, maybe. And, and, and he's wanting us maybe more than anything else. I, 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 just, I just don't believe his heart was to build a small group of people together. He loves community. He loves people together. But I don't believe he did that so we could come together and then stay together. But he did that so we could come together and celebrate what's been going on out there. And that should be more of, you know, our testimony of what's going on. And we'll be sharing uh, an amazing testimony (laughs) that we had this week. Absolutely amazing. Uh, We actually ended up making a video out of it. And and I don't want to be a a video spoiler, so I won't tell you too much. But there was an amazing testimony that is going to encourage you, and 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 you're going to love it. Uh, It just walked in last week. So it's an awesome thing. But his, his primary uh, training method was actually easy enough for all of us to do. How many would be able to say, Yeah, I've read the gospel enough to know that? Matter of fact, he was pretty simple. Matter of fact, he was always talking about fishing or sowing seeds or doing something like that. You know, it was never anything theologically heavy. It wasn't even until the end of his life that he just said in, in, in Matthew chapter 24, he started saying, Well, listen, the end times are coming. It's going to be rough. There's going to be deception. There's going to be all these things. So just watch yourself. But he spent most of the Bible just illustrating and demonstrating and challenging us to learn how to share the gospel. How do we share the good news? How do we fulfill the Great Commission? And so that's what we want to look at so that we're not ignorant of that and that we have a fresh boldness. So who's supposed to uh, fulfill the Great Commission? Now, I don't think you have very many fill-ins on your notes because I, I wanted you to just have them. Uh, and and then to be able to somehow listen. But this is an important question to ask. Who is supposed to fulfill the Great Commission? Ephesians says this here. You said us, and whoever said that, you're right. It's all of us. It was for every one of us. Remember, he got the tax collector, he got the fisherman, he got the doctor, he got the whole group. And he pulled them together, one one of each. So I'm reaching all the culture. I want everybody to do this. You know, one of his disciples, Luke, wrote the, 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 the most complete, detailed gospel that we can read today, the book of Luke. And so he pulls us all together. And, and we're all, every person, I think it was Bill Bright that said this here, I didn't note it, I'm sorry, Bill, uh, every person has an important, God-given role to play in helping to fulfill the Great Commission. Ephesians 4 and verse 16 says this here, From whom the whole body, joined together and knit together by what every joint, what? Supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the the body for the edifying of itself in love. Mark 15, or 1615, um, he ends up, in, and this is Jesus speaking, and Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So he's calling all of us to do this, and, and it's just kind of like for some reason it seems to be this daunting task for everybody, and we all kind of back off from it sometimes, and, and and now, uh, probably at, at, at a, as a whole, it's been on the back burner of people's lives. It's like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do this, but you know, it's 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 not really good enough to know something. Matter of fact, the the scripture teaches if you if you study through the Greek, the scripture teaches if you know if you really know something, that means you know it and you do it. If you're not doing it, then you have to back up and say, I guess I don't know it. And, and, and it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting idea, but it's true. So how can I fulfill uh, the Great Commission? It just seems like it's so daunting of a task for me. And some people would say this. I, I thought that was for the pastors, the evangelists, and the extroverts to do. God made them just for that. Okay? And, and, and that's sometimes people's mentality. It's for somebody else. Somebody else is supposed to do this. But if I could state this to you, um, there's nothing more important than you and I will ever, 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 ever do than fulfill the Great Commission. If you failed at everything else and fulfilled the Great Commission, I believe your Heavenly Father would look at you and say, that's pretty awesome. And obviously, he doesn't want you to fail at everything else. But yet the reality is, is that he, this is what, remember, Jesus put on flesh, a fleshly outfit to come down here to die. So what? People could get saved. And, and Paul says in Corinthians, he says, how are they going to get saved if they don't hear it? And, and, and you see, the cool thing is, is that you don't have to really help or make anybody get saved there's no pressure on you whatsoever with any of this. There's a challenge from your God to say, hey, I want you to, uh, I, I, I really want you to partner with me to fulfill this great commission that I have. And I think about that, and I go, wow, how awesome is that? So we come back to his first words after the resurrection, and what does he say? Acts 1.8. But you will receive power and ability when what? The Holy Spirit, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, comes upon you, and you will be what? Come on, let's say it loud. You'll be what? All right, we're gonna be witnesses and tell people about me. The New Living Translation says very similar, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Wow. So let's just take a quick peek at why do people not share the gospel? Why do people not share the gospel? And I'll just give you these quickly, and I put a few of them on your notes. Uh, the, the biggie is fear. The uh, next one is I don't feel like I have knowledge enough. You know, I just don't know enough. And uh, uh, another one is worrying about uh, political correctness. How many knows that, that know that's a, a real thing today? It's invaded our culture. It's, they have the new term now. What's the new term? Cancel? Cancel culture. You say one thing that I don't like, and you're canceled. Do you realize what that's going to do to our culture? It's going to destroy it. That's why all the more you have to be filled with his power because then you're going to go out and witness him, and he's very hard to resist when people see him. Come on. He's very hard to resist when people really see him. Come on, this is really true. So that's why he says, hey, I'm going to fill you with my power so that you can be a witness. So you're going to be relieved of this. You're going to take me into places, and you're going to give me accesses to every place that I put you so that people can come to know me. And, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an important thing. Uh, some people would say, many people would say, I don't know how. Uh, some people say, I've never had an evangelism training. They did a survey at Wheaton College. It's a, it's a Christian college. And here's what they said coming more from the millennials perspective. And, 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 and we're seeing this more and more. Millennials are more sensitive than previous generations about how they share their faith. Can any millennials agree with that? I mean, it's just like, okay, and what's the big deal? What's the big word? Don't be judgmental. Isn't that what the millennials are kind of saying to us oldies sometimes? Well, you're being judgmental. And what, what, What's happening is it's, we're shutting things down. They're trying to shut us down. I don't know how I can make this come out any nicer. <laughs> so just give me some grace here. The millennials are trying, not intentionally, but trying to shut us down really because we have been judgmental. Come on, come on, all of you that are at least my age, 40 years up. (laughs) It's a reality. And so now they're coming with this, but the problem is this. Once you start voicing that, millennials, you know what that does? It shuts you down even further. Because all of a sudden, you've already said it, you know. I'm not going to be judgmental. And often what I'm finding is it's pulling them back from even sharing the right way. Still love me, everybody? I do. I love me. Okay. (laughs) The biggest obstacle, the millennials would say, the biggest obstacle to sharing their faith was fear of what other people would think of them. You know, and unfortunately, when you get past 50 or 60, I'll know someday. When you get past that, you're just like, I don't care what you think. And so they're they're going the opposite way. It just seems like, you know, parents that get raised very strict actually are usually too liberal with their children, and they go astray. And then their children, because they went astray and realized, I never got enough spankings, they overdo it on their kids. And then they go astray, and we just see that going back and forth. And it's kind of the same thing with sharing our testimony and who is Christ and how do I do this and what am I going to do? And, and again, we've got a cancel culture that's rapidly coming to the forefront and is trying to uh, really shut people down. Uh, and another one says, uh, uh, another thing that they would say from that Wheaton survey is, I feel like I'd be imposing my views on somebody. Have you ever heard, and I've heard this, it makes me scared cringe. Uh, If you're a parent like this, you might want to leave before I say this. It makes me cringe when a parent looks at me and says, I'm not going to teach my kid anything about religion. I'm going to let them decide. I've heard this, and I just about pass out. It's just like, how can somebody be and again, we go to these extremes. Another, another thing they say is I'm worried about losing my friendships or they'll think I'm being judgmental. Can I tell you that some of them are going to think that? They thought that when Jesus spoke to him them. But he did it perfectly, right? He had perfect love. But yet they still called him judgmental. Uh, and they say the biggest uh, obstacle is feeling inadequate in evangelistic social interactions. And so we see that there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of reasons that we don't share the gospel. I want to give you one reason that could potentially begin to change things about that for us. And that is this simple thing. It's found in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. We don't have that up, uh, or 7 through 11. Uh, But it is that I, I need to maybe have a recheck of my love level How's your love go, coming along? Have you lost that? How, do you look at people with, uh, di- that look different than you with disdain? Do you look down on them? Do you, do, you, do you think bad about people when you see them? And I thought about this. You know, the disciples, when they were younger and walking with Jesus, remember? They said, Jesus, just send the crowd away. <laughs> remember that? They were hungry, but they knew that if there was any chance of getting food, they had to lower the numbers here. As he said, send them away. What about toward the kids? Can we just get the kids out of here, somebody? Remember that? Well, what about the, the, the racism? They were against the Gentiles, remember? Jesus, what are you doing talking to that Samaritan lady? Racism. So we have all these things that are not love. And he said, hey, I am love. I am love. And if you're filled with me, you're going to begin to put on that same love. And, and I think about just different ones in history that gave their entire lives, like Mother Teresa and then different ones that you read stories about that go into the worst part, into leopard colonies and everything else, just to preach the gospel to these people. They had love cooking for them. And I'm just thinking, yeah, cooking, I don't know why I said that. But they had love going, let me just tell you that, Okay. And Jesus actually said, if you love me, you will do what? You'll keep my commandments. Has anybody ever read that? Okay. Well, his only really big commandment to us was to love God and love others as yourself, and then go fulfill, go and make disciples. Go make disciples. And so I, I put this down there because I think that is an issue. I think we get busy with life and we get busy with struggles and we see things and pretty soon we're not wanting to be around the type of people that really need the gospel. And so we back off I, and I commend you for the whole outreach and the, you know we were thinking a hundred pairs of socks is what they were asking for and Four times that comes in. And, and, and I just think that's for people that we will probably never meet and probably never understand why they're getting socks. But somehow, God's going to use that in a unique way. That's love. And so we need to know about how do I get into the, uh, the, 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 the fulfilling the Great Commission. I want to give you God's part real quick here. Because this is important for you to know. Because remember I said earlier, and Romans says earlier, no one would come after me. None of you guys would have went after God on your own. He had to come after you. And he sent people to you to pull you in, or he gave you parents to teach you and to train you up in the way of the Lord. But here's the thing. This is God's part of this whole great commission. Number one, he's the only one that can draw somebody. He'll draw them. He'll pull them in. He'll start working on them. I can remember. I remember clearly. He convicts. I remember that. He began to convict me. I never had anybody condemn me that was sharing Jesus with me. They only just shared the truth about it. You know, and and part of that truth included that, you know, did you know that there is a heaven and there is a hell? And and if we die without Christ, that means because death simply means separation from God. And the Bible talks about two deaths. The first one is when you die naturally, your soul separates from your body. But your second death is when your spirit is separated from God for all of eternity. And what we want to do is to know that God's the one that's convicting. And then the third thing on your notes there is that he's the one that saves. So he's doing all the heavy lifting for us. He doesn't ask you to do any of that. Matter of fact, we're going to see that when it comes to really sharing the gospel, you're just getting the ball rolling. And as soon as that person turns you off, then you stop. You don't have to pursue it at the moment. And we'll talk about that later. John 6, says, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Verse 16, uh, John 16 and verse 18, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. How many know that that has been our approach as church and Christians? We always want to bring just judgment. We always want to bring con- conviction. We always want to just point out how bad they are. And, 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 and never really come with the right answer. Now, I want to also offset by saying partly what's happened, and I'm hoping you're going to connect with this, partly what's happened is that we've also just settled for saying, God loves you. God just loves you. And he has this wonderful plan for your life. And you know, that's not really the gospel. The gospel, according to Paul, is Christ came because you were a sinner, you couldn't save yourself, and he took all that sin for you. And he opened the door for you now to know God personally. And we'll get into this a little bit more uh, next week. How, how, How does this happen? How do I share the gospel? How can I help somebody come to the light? Well, it has to do with truth, because the Bible says the truth will set me what? free. Well, I have to have that truth. And the truth is, is that we're all born sinners and we're all separated from God. We all fall short of the glory. And and that's not hard to prove with anybody I have found. Right? I mean, you still sin and you're a Christian. So it's not hard when they're not to really help them to see it in a gentle way, in a loving way. You're not trying to convict them or anything else. You just want to say, hey, you know, this is, we're, we're all this way. You know, none of us are righteous. That's why we need this Savior. And that's why Jesus came, because he knew you couldn't get to him. And so God himself came down, an awesome, amazing, wonderful God came down to you and I uh, so that we could uh, uh, connect with God. And it's just a totally awesome thing. So we kind of need to take the pressure off ourselves a little bit when it comes to, to witnessing and evangelizing. You know, And, and again, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more. So I, the next part on your notes there is, know my part in this great commission. What is your part? What is your part? And I was trying to word this. Uh, my wife helped me. She took all my condemning scriptures off and made me be nice this morning. And uh, in, in here I thought, well, what is our part? As we have something to do with it, number one, it's not to save anyone. You don't save anybody because you can't, right? Remember, that was God's part. So I just have to relax and know that. That's not my, that shouldn't be my target or my intention. Number one, it's not to convict anyone. We know that that's not what we should do. And we also know that it's not to condemn anyone. And so so what can I do? Number one, I put down here, I can be salt. I can be salt. What does salt do? There's lots of Uh, uh, There's lots of analogies with salt. It's a preservative. It it enhances everything that you try to cook, right? You just have to add a little more salt, and all of a sudden, what does it do? It brings the flavor out of it. I kind of put down this. It adds a divine flavor to people's lives. You have that ability to be salt to the earth, to add divine flavor to somebody else's life to step in there and, and, and bring an encouraging word, bring hope, bring truth to them. Uh, and it says, I, and I put down in there in your notes, I can be light. I can bring in a spiritual perspective of life. So often when people think about life, it's all about just the, the natural things in life. So who's bringing them a spiritual perspective? Or I wrote down here, who's bringing God's revelation into the setting and the situation? Because, you know, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit that you have access to. You have access to the word of knowledge, right? That's bringing divine light. You have access to the word of wisdom. That's bringing divine light. You have access to to so many different gifts and callings and talents to utilize. But again, if I'm not, if I've lost my heart and focus for the Great Commission, then guess what? Why would I get up and pray for these things and pray for these people if I don't have it in my heart to do it? So what we really want to do is this, we want to help change our heart so we can do this. And then I put down, we have to get to know the good news. Can you share the gospel with somebody clear enough so that they could uh, know the truth and be set free? And I would probably say there, there'd be, you know, unfortunately uh, within the church at large, uh, because again, we're back, back to the perspective, no, that's the pastor's job. And and, and, and so we've kind of relieved ourselves of that duty. We've relieved ourselves of that duty. And a lot of this is just a subconscious thing. You know, you make so many decisions based on what you've built in your subconscious. So it's not like you go around saying it. But if you settled in your mind that the the pastor should do it, then how's God ever going to get your attention to do it? He won't. He won't be able to because you have turned that off. You've turned that wavelength off. So I put on here a chart that I'm going to, and I'm going to stop with this this morning. But I put on this little chart. It's maybe the simplest chart that we have. Do we have, if we have it? There we go. How many have ever seen that chart before? Okay. It only looks blurry because you don't have spiritual eyes. Uh, That's clear to me. Uh, But it's basically, if you remove the cross... On one side, and you can draw this out on a piece of paper for somebody, okay? And, and you can just say, hey, look, at, here's where we're all at on this side. God's over here, and because of sin, there's a big gap between us, and we can't bridge that gap. Now, it's obvious through time and history and watching people Through time, history, and watching people, we're always trying, though, aren't we? Man's always trying. Well, how? if you ask them, why should you go to heaven? I've been good, or I helped granny, or i done something, right? It's always something. Or, oh, I gave, and all these things, none of those have anything to do with getting to God. And so you just draw a little diagram, and again, I'm sorry that's blurry, but you don't need those scriptures anyway right now. But what comes in between is the cross of Christ. And it gives you a simple way to envision it in your mind, draw it out for them, and then uh, simply be able to explain to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man separated from God. Now, we know that that's understood by the majority, if not everybody in the planet. Everybody knows that doesn't know Christ that something is missing. So they fill it with other things, or they come up with a false religion because, another thing. (laughs) Well, isn't there a lot of ways to get to God? Why are you choosing yours? Why are we choosing ours? Does anybody know? Who said that? Didn't Jesus himself say that? See, and this whole thing about, oh, it's just any way. I tell you what. You, you go talk to a, a Muslim and tell them your way and that they, is that okay? I guarantee if you're in their land, they'll cut your head off. They aren't buying into this, oh, any way works. Go to a Hindu and tell them the same thing or ask the Hindus what they like. Go to a remote part of the world Uh, And there's one tribe that used to, as a spiritual religious exercise, I'm sorry I don't have the name of it, but they would literally cut the person open and pull their heart out of them while they were alive as a sacrifice. (laughs) Are you buying into that? (laughs) I'm not. And what about the other ones that literally throw babies over into volcanoes as part of their ritual and part of their worship? Are you into that? No, absolutely not. There's not a bunch of ways that's why I think Jesus made that so very clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Everybody knows there's a God. It's just how do they find the right one? And the Bible says that when we share the truth, that's what will set them free. And my experience, and and, uh, it was two years from the day I first heard the truth, and that person prayed for me and prayed and actually fasted for me, through that time, and and it was two years before I finally, the truth set me free. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And again, it's just, it's time for us to kind of catch the reality of how much God loves people and how much he wants to save the world. He wants to save the world. He wants whosoever will. He died for everybody. As he's done this already, he didn't just take your sins on because you're saved today. He died for the sins of what? Whole world. So that means if I can connect the truth to people, they will be set free. But we're coming to a point in history where the truth is getting shut down. Come on. I mean, honestly, the church kind of shut it down itself to some degree. We kind of lost sight of the whole thing. We've gotten into the love-only message. And I, and I know God is love. And, and, and I know for God so loved the world that he did what? We would focus on He loving the world, <clears throat> but we should be focused on that he sent his son to die on the cross so uh, that, that the world could be saved. And the Apostle Paul goes through this, and we'll go through it a little bit more so we really get a hold of this, because once we get a hold of it, then we can share that truth and I believe we're, we're on the precipice of, of a huge harvest. The stage is being set for what many would say is the largest harvest of people, souls, that the world's ever seen. And here we are having the opportunity to be a part of that. And the last thing I want to do, and I was thinking about this a, a little bit during worship, uh, I remember, you know, growing up in California, being around the beach a lot. The beach is a part of the ocean, in case you never left the Midwest. Uh, it's a part of the ocean. And, and I can just remember watching the surfers. And, and it was very important for the surfers to catch the wave at the right time. And I think that's where we're at. We want to catch the wave at the right time. And I believe that's every one of your heart. I believe in just knowing you that that is your heart. Yeah, I don't want to miss the wave. I want to be a part of what God's doing. And we are his witnesses. He doesn't say that about anybody else but us. I'm going to empower you to be a witness. And so my heart is this week and next week, and and we may go a little bit further because we're moving into that season, is that because we would know how to explain the gospel so clearly that it just becomes second nature. And I'll talk about exactly how to do that. Second nature uh, to you And, and, and actually become a passion to you to look for opportunities. I love the verse that says, you know something? The word of God will never return void. And when you learn how to plant it successfully and you learn how to water it successfully, will be a part of fulfilling the great, great commission. Amen? How many want to be a part of that? I do. Let's stand to our feet. We'll close with a word of prayer. I'd like for you to do this because this is what's important. I don't want you to put your hand on your brain. Okay? Put it on your heart. Let's put it on our heart. I, I want to pray. Because I really believe it it, it, it does, you know, it says be careful because, you know, in the last days, because of coldness and because of sin, that coldness sets in. And it's easy for us as believers to look around and see everything that's going on and just get con, con, just discouraged and frustrated. And now we got to cancel culture. So now how am I going to do this? And God says, no, I'm going to release you to do it. You're going to have such a big heart of love that you're going to stand out like a beacon light. You're going to be the saltiest person on this earth, and people are going to be impacted by it. So, Father, this morning, all of you online, put your heart, hands on your heart. Father, this morning, we come with a sincere desire to say, yes, Lord, as the Abraham said and many others, here am I. And, Father, you're going to be begin to just redo some thinking that we have redo our hearts God in a fresh way that we would have this heart of love and compassion even as you had every day that you walked on the planet make me like you Jesus make me like you you died that I could be like you now make me like you God, I just submit myself to you. I surrender to you. And I pray that, Father, you would just touch my heart even this morning in a way that I don't even see so it would begin to open things up. And, Lord, I pray that you would make hope alive just that. (laughs) Hope for this community. Hope for where you have us planted all over this city. And we can make an impact and a difference for our Lord, our Savior. You're so amazing. We love you. And uh, Lord, just let that blessing be upon each one of our hearts today. In Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, just say a hearty amen.